We'll be back in the book of Luke this morning, book of Luke chapter number three, if you want to turn there, Luke chapter number three. We're continuing to look at the life of Christ, and so we're not necessarily doing a verse-by-verse study of the book of Luke, but we're taking Luke's account of the life of Christ, uh, and we're following through, looking at the significant events in the life of Christ and in his ministry. Uh, Last week, uh, we looked in uh, Luke chapter number two concerning Jesus and the two records we have of events from his childhood, of course, uh, when he was taken at 40 days old to go to the temple. And there, uh, of course, we see that uh, to do according to the law. Uh, So they were taken to the temple and offered the two turtle doves. And of course, we see that Simeon prophesied concerning this child. Then we've seen that at 12 years old, uh, uh, Mary and Joseph would yearly travel to Jerusalem. Jerusalem for the Passover and there after they left Jesus stayed behind and was there in the temple uh, uh, answering and asking questions of the doctors of the law and uh, so we looked at that and we've seen how that these two events confirmed uh, the divinity of the Lord Jesus Christ. These two events confirmed that he was indeed the Messiah. Now we're going to jump ahead to chapter 3 to verse number 15 uh, uh, down through verse number 22 and we're going to be looking this morning at the baptism uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to jump ahead from, from when he was 12 years old to now he is 30 years old. We've really not heard anything about the life of Christ uh, from 12 years old till this point. Uh, uh, Up until now, uh, uh, for the past 17 years, uh, uh, he has been living a common life. Uh, He's been laboring as a builder. Uh, He's been working with his hands. He's been experiencing life uh, as any other person. He's been interacting with and living alongside uh, the people of his community. But now here in verse number 15, at about 30 years old, uh, he resurfaces. uh, And when he resurfaces, something significant significant takes place at the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we know that John, of course, John the Baptist was the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was prophesied that there would be a forerunner and of course we know that that was John the Baptist and so for this time that we haven't heard much from Jesus, John has been preaching repentance. John has been preaching repentance. He's been preaching baptism of repentance. He's been pointing people toward the Messiah. Now there's, we're going to start in verse number 15 but there's something in chapter number 3 that I just love. It's a passage of scripture that just thrills my heart every time I read it concerning John the Baptist uh, and his role as a forerunner. We'll be looking more at John in just a little bit. But before we go to verse number 15, I want to read verse 1 down through verse number 2 and I just want you to notice how God works uh, as opposed to how man uh, operates. In verse number 1 of chapter number 3 of the book of Luke, the Bible says, Now in the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar. Just note, this is a big wig, okay? In the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, another big wig, being governor of Judea, and Herod, another big wig, being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, another uh, political official, tetrarch of Atura, and of the region of Trachonitis and Lysanias, the tetrarch of Abilene. Annas and Caiaphas, uh, being the high priest, again, influential people. Catch this last phrase. The word of God came to John 
in the wilderness. Uh, I'll tell you what, every time I read that passage of Scripture, it just thrills me uh, because we start in verse number 1 and we list off uh, all the people, all the officials, uh, all the influential people, all the people that man is looking up to. We list off every one of them uh, and then it says the Word of God came to John in the wilderness. Uh, you know what? You do not have to be big in the eyes of men to be used mightily of God. And boy, every time I think about John and his role as the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ. I look at this and I see how the word of God came to John in the wilderness. And of course he goes about preaching. We see in verse number 3 the baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. But if you drop down to verse number 15 verse number 15 we'll read this account in the book of Luke concerning the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now John has been preaching and John has attracted a good bit of attention a lot of people are recognizing that there's something out of the ordinary about John and he's got quite a following of people who are listening to his preaching and, and adhering to what he has to say. And it says in verse number 15, And as the people were in expectation, all men mused in their hearts of John whether he were the Christ or not. They say this fellow is unusual. He's out of the ordinary. Uh, his message is different than anything we've ever heard before. Could it be possible uh, that this guy is the Messiah? Could it be possible that this guy is the Christ? John, uh, hearing their question in verse number 16, John answered saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water. But one mightier than I cometh, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy uh, to, to unloose, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost uh, and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and will gather the wheat into his garner, but the chaff he will burn with fire unquenchable. And many other things in his exhortation preached he unto the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, being reproved by him for Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and for all the evils which Herod had done, added yet this above all, that he shut up John in prison. Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee am I well pleased. Let's go to Lord in prayer. Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, it's good to be in your house. Lord, I've enjoyed already the fellowship. Lord, I've enjoyed already the singing together. Lord, I've enjoyed the Sunday school lesson this morning. And Lord, it is good to be able to come together and to look in your word. And Lord, as we go through the gospel of Luke, and Lord, we look at the events that took place in your life. Uh, uh, Lord, these notable events. Father, I pray that we will see the message that is recorded in your word. Uh, that, Father, there is without a doubt, uh, without a question, uh, you are are the one who came to be the Savior of the world. Father, I pray that we will see this clearly. I pray, dear Lord, that we will understand that there is no other way of salvation but through the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray, dear Lord, that we will be convinced of the truth of the Word of God. We will become convinced of, Lord, the, your ability to save mankind. Father, I pray that if there be those here who are not saved, Lord, that they will see the truth of the gospel and, Lord, they will turn their life over to you. Lord, if us as Christians. Uh, oh Lord, I pray that we will become, uh, uh, Lord, impassioned uh, with the need to tell the world that you 
are the answer, Father, I pray. Help us, Lord, as we look at this account. Thank you, Lord, for recording these gospels. Thank you, Lord, for recording uh, your life. Thank you, Lord, for giving us these proofs uh, that we might know who you are, that, Lord, we might follow you. I pray, dear Lord, that you'll bless the message this morning. And, Lord, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Here in Luke chapter number 3, we read of the baptism of Jesus. And of course, there's some other accounts in the Gospels that give us some more details concerning the baptism of the Lord Jesus. And we'll be referring to those some in a little bit. But it's interesting to note, as I mentioned a little while ago, that the location where Christ was baptized is the same location where Joshua crossed the Jordan River when he came in to claim the promised land. Now we know that Joshua, his name in Hebrew is Yeshua, which is the same as Jesus that we have in the Greek. So we have two men with the same name at the same place, both being crossing the Jordan or being baptized in the Jordan that they might lead us into victory. Boy, I'm telling you, if you don't see that picture, it is so clear here at that same point. And the Lord blessed me through y'all uh, to be able to go to that very place. Uh, and I dipped down and put my hands in that water right there. Nothing miraculous about that water, but I'm telling you, it just makes you feel good inside to know this is the place uh, where Jesus was baptized. This is the place uh, where Joshua crossed into the promised land. And so we see uh, that there are some things here uh, uh, concerning the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a few things I want to point out concerning his baptism. First of all, uh, we see in verse number 16, the presentation of Christ, the presentation of Christ. We see in verse number 16, of course, the people were asking John, are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? Are you the one that was to come? And John answers in verse number 16, not claiming to be the Messiah, but far different. John says, it's not me, but let me tell you, about him. It's not me, but I know him and I can tell you about him. You know, that's what each one of us ought to be doing is whenever folks look to us for the answers, we ought to tell them we don't have the answer, but let me tell you about the one who does. Whenever folks look to us to wonder what it is that we live for, to wonder what it is that motivates us, we need to say it's the power is not in me, but the power is in the Lord Jesus Christ. I am nothing but but he is everything, and we need to proclaim the ability of the Savior. John said, it's not me, but I want to tell you about him. He said, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, the latchet of whose shoes I am unworthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now in Jewish culture, it was the lowest slave who met the guest at the door and removed the shoes from the guest's feet and bathed the feet of the guest. That was the lowest slave. John said, there's one coming after me who is mightier than I. As a matter of fact, he is so much better than I am. I'm not even worthy to take the shoes off of his feet. Me, in comparison to him, I am lower than the lowest slave. He is mightier than I. There's a couple of things that John wanted to point out, though, about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. John said, I baptize you with water. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance, a baptism of looking forward to the coming Messiah. He said, I baptize with water, but he that cometh after me shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. We see 
here that John the Baptist said, he that's coming after me, uh, he is going to baptize you first of all uh, with uh, power. Uh, and we've seen that anointing uh, on the day of Pentecost uh, when the Holy Spirit of God moved in. And to this day, the Holy Spirit of God moves into the heart of every believer uh, that puts their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me just give you something right here. There are a lot of people who claim Christianity. There are a lot of people who claim Christianity who are not sure if they really have what it takes, if they really have salvation. Let me give you a little test that you can run by yourself. If you are a Christian, then the Holy Spirit of God dwells on the inside of you and He will bear witness with you and He will communicate with you and He will instruct you and He will correct you and you will know that the Holy Ghost has lived on the inside. If you claim to be a Christian and yet you can still live an ungodly life as you did before. You can still partake in ungodliness and wickedness. You can still entertain yourself with the wickedness of this world and you feel no condemnation. Now there are Christians who do dabble in things they ought not, but they feel condemnation. If you can do these things and you feel no condemnation, you do not feel the Holy Spirit of God reprimanding you for your behavior, there's a good chance He don't live there. Because the Bible says that our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. He has moved in on the inside of me and He speaks up when we behave in a way that is not comfortable for Him. You want to know whether or not you're saved? Check yourself and say, do I have the witness of the Holy Ghost on the inside of me? This is not some kind of mystical thing that I'm talking about. This isn't some kind of hocus pocus that I'm talking about. I'm talking about a real person who lives on the inside of me. I'm talking about something that is as real as this wooden pulpit. It's as real as this floor I'm standing on. If you are born again, the Holy Spirit of God moves in and takes up residence in your life and when somebody as big as God moves in somebody as small as me you can't go through life without noticing he's there so we see here we see here that John said the one that's coming after me will baptize you with power speaking of the Holy Ghost but then he says there will also be a baptism of fire so first we see the power given to the children of God but we also see judgment Judgment. Not only will he baptize with the Holy Ghost, but he will baptize with fire. If you look in verse number 17, he speaks of this judgment. He said, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and will gather the wheat, speaking of those that are saved, into his garner. But the chaff, speaking of those who have never accepted Christ, he will burn with fire unquenchable. Here John the Baptist in prophesying concerning the coming of the Messiah spoke already of the eternal punishment of hellfire to those who refuse to put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, the one that cometh after me is much mightier than I. I can baptize you with water. I can point you towards Christ. I can encourage you to repent. But the one coming after me, he is the one who can take and make a change in your life. He is the one who can bring judgment to those that refuse him. We see that John presented that he was not the Christ, but there was one coming 
who was the Christ. We see in verse 19 and 20, and it's interesting that Luke interjected this here. I believe that Luke may have inserted this uh, to show the transition from John's ministry to the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. But here in verse 19 and 20, we see the persecution of John, the persecution of John. If you look in verse number 19, but Herod the Tetrarch, being reproved by him for Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and for all the evils which Herod had done, had it yet this above all, that he shut up John in the prison. So we see here that Luke interjects right here about John being put in prison. But we know from the other Gospels, of course the book of uh, John, we can look at John's account, we know that this imprisonment did not take place at the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, but took place uh, some days later, maybe even weeks later, this imprisonment took place. But Luke interjects it here to let us know that at this point, Jesus' ministry began... And John's ministry began to stop. You can look, uh, if you want to write this reference down, you can look in John chapter number 3, verse 22 down through verse number 24 and tells you about uh, when uh, John was placed uh, in prison. And we understand that Luke is just adding it here as something that happened, but it didn't happen at the baptism. We could talk much more about that, but this sermon we're focusing on the life of Christ. So we're going to move on. Verse number 21 and 22, we see the purpose of this baptism, the purpose of this baptism. Sometimes you will hear people ask the question, they'll say, well, why did Jesus need to be baptized? And it's a good question to ask. It's something that many times we may wonder. Why, why would he need to be baptized? Well, there was a purpose to this baptism. And so we want to take a few minutes and look at this. Up until now, John had been preaching repentance and the soon arrival of the Messiah. Now John is going to be the spokesperson who God is going to use to turn the attention of the people from John to the Savior. Up until now, John's been preaching that he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. You need to repent. He's coming, he's coming. John's been preaching this message. But now at this baptism, God is going to use John who has attracted a following who many people are listening to to be the spokesperson who will take the attention off of himself and turn the attention to the Messiah. So we see some things here concerning the purpose of this baptism. First of all, we see a heavenly confirmation, a heavenly confirmation. Turn over to John chapter number 1. John chapter number 1 and in verse number 33 I want to show you something here about this confirmation of this baptism. In John chapter number 1 and verse number 33 we have a record here. Of course Saint John uh, the beloved wrote the gospel of John but here he is recording what John the Baptist uh, had to say. And in verse number 33 he is recording what John the Baptist said uh, and he says, and I knew him not. This is John the Baptist speaking. And I knew him not. I knew not who Jesus was. I didn't know who this Messiah was. I knew that I was his forerunner. I knew that he was coming. I knew that I was proclaiming him. But I didn't know who the individual was. And I knew him not. But he that sent me to baptize with water, of course that being God the Father, he that sent me to baptize with water, it says the same said unto me. He said, I'm sending you forth to baptize with water and I've got something else to tell you. And here's what God told John the Baptist. Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him. 
The same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. Boy, I tell you, there's a lot in that verse. You know John the Baptist and the Lord Jesus Christ were cousins. Of course, we know that once John the Baptist uh, became of age, uh, he went into the wilderness until God called him. I don't know how much interaction uh, uh, Jesus and John the Baptist had. I'm sure they knew of each other, uh, having to do with Elizabeth and Mary coming together during their pregnancies. I'm sure they knew of each other. Very likely they had met each other. Uh, but John said, I did not know who the Messiah was. I knew he was coming. I knew God had told me to proclaim him. I know God had told me to baptize with water, but I didn't know who he was. But God said to me, the person you see, the Spirit of God descending and remaining on, the same is he that will baptize with the Holy Ghost and with power. And so John the Baptist says, I didn't know who he was. And then here's John, and he's in the river, and he's baptized. And he's proclaiming. They said, are you the Christ? John said, no, I'm not the Christ. But there's one coming who's going to baptize in the Holy Ghost. It's not me. But there's one coming. And in walks his cousin. Here's Jesus coming in to be baptized by John the Baptist. And as he walks into the water, look at verse number, verse number 22 of Luke chapter number 3. And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. Can you imagine the moment of recognition? Now we've looked at this many times and we're going to look at it again in a minute at the picture of the Trinity that took place here at the baptism. We're going to look at that in just a moment. But can you imagine, John said, God told me that I would see the Spirit descend and remain upon him. He said, and here he comes into the water and the Holy Spirit descended from heaven in the form of a dove and lit upon him. And at that moment, I knew that this was the Christ. We see here that a purpose for the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ was a heavenly confirmation that He is indeed the Messiah. It's a heavenly confirmation that He is the one that God sent. Now we've often looked at the fact that the Spirit descending and the Father speaking confirmed that He was Messiah. But oftentimes we miss this thing of John being told in prophetic manner that you will see the Spirit descend. And at that moment, the prophecy that was given to John was confirmed, this is the Messiah. It was a heavenly confirmation of the Messiahship of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor John, why are we preaching so much on the fact that Jesus is the Messiah and that Jesus is the Savior? Well, the main reason is because the Bible's full of it. And the second reason is because until you recognize that He is the only way of salvation and you yield yourself to Him, you will never secure eternity. And I believe there are many, many people who are yet to put their full trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible wants us to know that this is indeed the Messiah. So the purpose of His baptism first was for this heavenly confirmation. Second of all, I believe His baptism was for earthly proclamation. In verse number 34 there in the book of John, chapter number 1, John said, And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. John said, I saw this. I saw the Spirit descend. I saw Him come and light upon Him. He said, And I bore record. That means I recognized 
and I declared, I bore record that this is the Son of God. The Lord Jesus Christ, without doubt, is the Son of God. Up until this point, John the Baptist had been proclaiming that the Messiah is coming. From this point on, until the end of his ministry, John proclaimed, this is the Son of God. He said, we know who he is. We have seen him. He is the Son of God. So we see here the heavenly confirmation, the earthly proclamation, but then I see also the purpose of this baptism is that this baptism marked the beginning of the public ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. As I said in my introduction, uh, for 17 years we've really not heard anything from the life of Christ. Uh, Now I don't believe that he was sitting idle. I believe that he was uh, going about life. I believe uh, as... uh, John said, he said, the the earth couldn't contain the books if we were to write everything that took place uh, in the life of Christ. I believe that he was active. But as far as we know, uh, the Bible is pretty silent uh, until this point. But at this point, at the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ, it marks the beginning of his public ministry. If you will, look there in John chapter number 1, back up to verse number 29. The Bible says the next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said after me, Cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. We see in John chapter number 3, verse number 26, It says, And they came unto John, came unto John the Baptist, and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, speaking of Jesus, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom which standeth and heareth him rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. The baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ marked the beginning of our Savior's public earthly ministry. So we see the purpose of this baptism was for heavenly confirmation. It was for public uh, uh, proclamation and it was the beginning of his public ministry. In addition to the purpose of this baptism, there's two significant things that took place at this baptism that I'd like to point out to you. In verse number 21, we see the prayer of Jesus at his baptism. Now it's interesting to note that None of the other Gospels record this prayer, but Luke records it, and boy, I believe there's much to be learned from this. In verse number 21, it says, Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened. Jesus, though God in flesh, was a man of prayer. 
I believe that throughout his earthly ministry, we find him spending time in prayer. He prayed here at his baptism. He prayed when he chose his disciples. He prayed in the garden. He prayed on the cross over and over and over again. We see Jesus in prayer. In Luke chapter number 11, we read of Jesus teaching his disciples to pray. In Luke chapter number 18, Jesus said that men ought always to pray. I find in Christ a powerful lesson on the importance of prayer. If Jesus, the Son of God, found it necessary to pray, how much more should we, the children of men, go to the Lord in prayer? I believe one of the most underused resources that we have as Christians is the ability that we have to go to the throne of God with whatever is on our heart. I believe that we go through life struggling, floundering, being discouraged, being depressed, not knowing where to go, not knowing how to handle situations, not knowing how to face difficulties. And the whole time, the answer is found in prayer. You say, well, Pastor John, I pray about it. But you know what? And I'm not accusing anyone. You know your prayer life, but I know what the tendency of most people is. Looking at myself even as an example. Many times our prayers are short, convenient mentions while we hurry on trying to fix it ourselves. When in truth, God wants us to take our hands off of it and just go to Him in prayer. Instead of spending hours worrying, spend hours letting Him worry. Instead of spending hours trying to figure it out, just go and give it to Him. I believe that oftentimes the reason our prayers don't accomplish anything is because we're not sincere in taking it to the Lord in prayer. We see here that Jesus was a man of prayer and even at His baptism He prayed. I also find it interesting that when Jesus prayed, God showed up. You know the best way to encounter the presence of God is through prayer. You want to feel God close to you, spend time in prayer. You want to feel God in your worship service, pray before you come to the worship service. You want to meet God in your closet, spend time in prayer. The number one way to encounter God is through prayer. You want to interact with Him, go to the Lord in prayer. The two things that will get you closer to God than anything else in this life is this book and prayer. And you know the two things that Christians neglect the most is this book and prayer. You want to know God, this is what He has provided for us. But we see that when Jesus prayed, God showed up. And in verse number 22, we see the presence of God. In verse number 22 it says, And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee am I well pleased. 
Now we could spend a lot of time looking at the Trinity and maybe sometime we'll come back to that. We're not going to discuss the Trinity in depth, but we are going to say that here, excuse me, in this passage of Scripture, when God showed up, we see first of all that the presence of God was there. We see that the confirmation of God was there. And we see that the entirety of God was present at the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now there are some who teach concerning the Trinity trying to understand in our limited human understanding that there is one God with three roles. And that He can appear as the Father, He can appear as the Son, He can appear as the Spirit. One God with three roles. But that's not what the Bible teaches. No, no. There are three individuals uh, who make up uh, one God, and that uh, is the Trinity. There is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, uh, three individuals making up the Godhead who is the supreme God over all. And here we see that illustrated. We see in the voice uh, God the Father speaking from heaven and saying, Thou art my beloved Son, in Thee am I well pleased. We see God the Father speaking from heaven, confirming who the Lord Jesus Christ was. We see the dove descending from heaven, the Holy Spirit of God coming in the form of a dove. We see God the Father speaking. We see the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove. And then we see the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son, standing there in the Jordan River, the Trinity, three in one, God incarnate right here. We see it, the presence of of God is illustrated here uh, through the Trinity. And last of all this morning, as we look at this baptism, I want us to notice the promise of salvation. The promise of salvation. When Jesus was baptized by John, he was pronounced publicly to be the Son of God. Jesus was the Messiah. The Messiah came to save all men from their sin and he was going to accomplish this through his death on the cross. His baptism declares through the witness of the Father, through the witness of the Son and through the witness of the Holy Ghost through the confirmation of prophecy that this is the Messiah. This is the Savior of the world. This is the one who is capable of saving men from their sin. Jesus came to earth as the Son of God for one purpose and that purpose was to make a way of salvation that you and I might be joint heirs with Him, that you and I could also be the Son of God. That is why He came. He is the Son of God. We might be the Son Sons of God, the question is, are you a child of God? The question is, have you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? The question is, do you know Him? Do you know Him? Do you know of Him? Or do you know Him? Have you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you given your life to Him? There's plenty of people who say, oh, I believe in Jesus. I believe in the Bible. I believe in God. I'm sorry to tell you, friend, that's not salvation. The Bible says the devils also believe and tremble because they know judgment's coming. Have you given your life to Him? Have you said, God, all of me, 
belongs to you. I fully surrender myself, my will, my desires, my passion. I surrender everything. I give myself to you. Have you done that? The Word of God makes it clear over and over. So far we've looked at His birth where it's confirmed that He's the Savior. We've looked at His childhood where it's confirmed that He's the Savior. Now we're looking at His baptism where once again it's confirmed that He is the Savior. With all this evidence, why would you hesitate to put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? The question is, do you know Him this morning? Have you given your life to Him? In verse 17, John said of Jesus, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and will gather the wheat, that's those that have put their trust into him, into his garner. But the chaff, those who have not believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, he will burn with fire unquenchable. Let me tell you, friend, if in eternity you find yourself in the flames of hell, it's not God's fault because he has made it abundantly clear that he is the savior of the world who is willing to wash away the sin of all mankind and any any who will put their trust in them he will joyfully give to them the gift of eternal life if you find yourself in the flames of fire in the flames of judgment it's not God's fault, it's yours because you stubbornly refused to put your trust in the one that God made abundantly clear was the Savior of the world. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter number 4 and verse number 14, and we have seen, this is, this is John the Beloved, late in life, speaking of the testimony of the life of Christ, and we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. John chapter number 6 and verse number 40, Jesus speaking here. He said, and this is the will of Him that sent me, speaking of God the Father. This is what He desired, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on Him may have everlasting life. This is the will of Him that sent me that everyone who believes on me will receive everlasting life. Jesus was sent to be the Savior of the world. How sad it is that so many are headed into an eternity of judgment because they refuse to put their trust in the one that the Bible proclaims is the Savior of the world. Let's all stand to our feet this morning. As Miss Debbie makes her way to the piano, the Lord spoke to your heart this morning. I ask that you'll come. Come and put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ.